Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where you will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topic relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's dive into today's episode. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. And today's conversation is going to be about resiliency. And I think that's a very key thing that we need to understand, especially in today's times, but regardless of where you find yourself or what you encounter throughout your entrepreneurial journey, moving toward your intersection of your brilliance and passion, very few things are going to go exactly as planned. You're going to have a lot of unforeseen curveballs. And I think we've all seen that meme of the glacier and the, or the iceberg rather, and underneath the surface of the water is that 20 years of blood, toil, tears, and sweat that led to that overnight success when you exploded on the scene all of a sudden. We have somebody here today that is you are just going to love hearing from. I've had a chance to check out some of his work. His name is Sean Conley, and he's the author of a book called The Point After, How One Resilient Kicker Learned There Was More to Life Than the NFL. It's a new book. It's coming out, and you can learn more about it at Sean, that's S-E-A-N, Conley, C-O-N-L-E-Y, SeanConley.net. So just tell you a little bit about Sean. He lived and breathed football from the time he was a young child, and after making starting kicker at the University of Pittsburgh, he played for three NFL teams or NFLF team. That might be a typo. He'll correct me in a minute. But injuries plagued and then ended his career, haunting him with a sense of failure. And what saved him was yoga. And through it, he cured his physical injuries and reinvented himself. So there is so much more that we have to this story. And I'm actually going to let him tell you more about it. So let's bring him in. Sean Conley, come on in. The weather's fine. All right. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me, Adam. In fact, let's leap right into that area. Uh, Our listeners know that before we dive into the main topic, and today it really is about resiliency, we're discussing the point after, what we like to do is hear more from our guests about their journey and what's brought them to where they are today, serving from their intersection of their brilliance and their passion. So Sean, I gave a preview of some of the factors that brought out your resilience. So tell us more about the story, because I think it'd be much more interesting if you told it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, well, I I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, which um, is a a sports town, you could say. I mean, you know, basketball, baseball, my, my, my father played all those sports and especially football. So, you know, growing up, um, you know, I just, I wanted to be a part of that. And so, you know, I tried different sports, but the one that, that spoke to me the most was, was football. And, you know, they, back in the day, they had these punt pass and kick competitions and I played different positions, but I I discovered when I started to do those that I had this ability to kick the football really far. So I just, I just became really hooked on that. Um, and from a really young age, I, I started to dream of, of playing the NFL and I became very, 
very focused onto that. I guess to, to the point where you could say obsessed. I, I was diagnosed at a young age with, with ADD, which they now call ADHD, and I was put on Ritalin. And so that was a struggle for me, um, you know, the, the, the ADDD, ADD while I was playing football. But at the same time, it was there was positives. It, it helped drive me. Yet at the same time, it was also the ADD could be an enemy because I could beat myself up mentally. And so that was probably one of the first, I guess you could say like insights to how my, my career was going to go, where I was going to have the ups and downs uh, mentally. And then I had a whole bunch of ups and downs uh, physically, um, you know, on my, on my road to the NFL, I had a lot of, a lot of setbacks along the way, um, including my, my two first colleges that I went to, I, I, I basically flopped, um, and I've really never got on my, on my feet, so to speak, um, until my, my last year in college when I, when I broke through and I got the starting position at the University of Pittsburgh and then signed with the NFL. But even then, it was I, I would have a job with the Detroit Lions and six months later, I was out of work. And then six months later, I had another job with the Colts, Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Five, six months later, no job, the Jets, World Football League. So I just bounced around. And um, my story, you know, of, of course, it's it unique because it, it's my story. But it, it, it's, I think one of the things that is interesting about it is, you know, when we watch all these professional athletes, NFL football players, the stories we, we, we seem to latch on the most is, you know, like the Tom Brady's and and, you know, the big stars. But mine was more typical. I was you know, in and out, in and out, in and out. And when you look at a football roster, that's the NFL football roster. That's my story is a lot more uh, real, I guess you could say, in terms of uh, being in and being out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I tell people I have just within the cigar community here in Las Vegas, because I'm a bit of a cigar aficionado, uh, I have a friend that I met in that community who played for the, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I have another friend who played for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and people who are outside the know say, whoa, dude. But what I've come to recognize is they're not the only two friends I have that are former NFL players. There are actually a lot of former NFL players who don't quite make it to the level of Tom Brady or who maybe did make it to the level of Tom Brady, but that was a different era and the name just didn't carry down through the generations. I mean, there are only so many Terry Bradshaws that people will recognize even 40 years later. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that the average career is, is 2.3 years. So, you know, we hear about the guys who play five, 10, 12 years, but the bulk are, two years, three years, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, what do you think contributes to that? And I think I, this may even go into your story a little bit, or rather, what do you know contributes to that? Because there is this myth out there that once you make the NFL, you're going to be a star, and you're going to have the $20 million contract and, and play for 15 years, and you're set for life. Right. Yeah, I, I think there's a few factors, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, you know, the whole cliche, it's a game of inches, but how, you know, for players, it's, it could just be, you know, your speed just, you know, because of an injury, your play, which was on a, like, let's say the highest level, if you want to make it one to 10 was at a 10. And all of a sudden you have an injury, you're, you're, you're a little slower than you used to be. Now you're 9.8, but they just signed another guy who's fresh. He's right out of college. Now he, now he takes your job and it's just, there's just, 
so many little things that can that can happen for for the bulk of the players on the team that they can they can lose their job at any minute. And you know, it, it, when I was with the Detroit Lions in, in training camp, I remember this guy next to me saying to me, uh, "Do you know what the NFL stands for?" And I said, "What do you mean by that?" Because because someone on the other side of my uh, uh, the other locker, like I came back after practice, it was empty, it was gone. And I said, "Hey, do you know what happened at the so and so?" And he said, "The NFL stands for not for long." And, you know, that was a, a big, you know, eyes wide open for me because, you know, when I first signed with the Detroit Lions, uh, you know, I was 22 and I thought, well, this is just the beginning. You know, I'm going to be here for 10, 12, you know, as long as possible. But, you know, once I got there, I realized, well, the work had just begun. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's so interesting that it takes so much work to make it to the NFL. I have a little bit of family experience with this so to speak. My uncle played high school and football with Joe Montana. Oh, wow. So, uh, and uh, my uncles told me various editions of the story. They occasionally contact him for quotes when they write articles about Joe Montana to this day. And uh, the way it's been told to me, I've heard various different stories, but basically I get the, I get the overall hit that they were frenemies then and they're frenemies now, which is fine. Um, and I also know that a friend, a mutual friend of theirs who also played within that same squad when they were in high school together, played for the Cleveland Browns for, I believe, one season. However, if I have the story correct, and I welcome any corrections if somebody who's listening to this is familiar with who I'm referring to and knows the story is different, I welcome that correction. My understanding is the guy played for one season, but by played, it mostly meant sit on the bench because he caught a knee injury very early on at the end of his career. Yeah, and 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 that's that happens a lot too. You know, it's interesting how the NFL does how they define, you know, for, for you to make the the pension, you have to play in three seasons, uh, but you have to see the field for like a set amount of plays. I have a few friends who actually they they played a season, they played a second season, and the third season was about to begin, and they just needed to get in, get on the field one time. And uh, both of them, neither one did, and that was it. They they missed out on on the on the pension. That's such an <laughs> so, that's such an arbitrary thing, Sean. I mean, it's like uh, it's like a television show that is just not quite catching the ratings, but they have ninety four episodes, and they go to the network and they say, please, 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 we know you're going to cancel us, but let us do six more episodes so we hit the syndication cutoff. I can imagine that at a personal level, it's very similar to that in some ways. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you see these players who like are getting cut, they're getting cut and you're like, well, why don't you just like, you know, step away from the game, but they're, they're just, they're so close. And, you know, they've, they've put in like their whole lives to it. And that was, that was something that I really struggled with because when I started at a young age and this was it and this was it. And then, and then when I got cut the first time uh, with Detroit, there was no way I, I could give up. Cause I just, I wasn't ready. I, I, I wasn't, I kept telling myself, I'm not going to quit. Like I, I want to go out on my own, my own terms. And I see a lot of players, you know, they, you know, that happens a lot. Like you'll see them, uh, you know, Brett Favre comes to mind off the top of my head. Like you see these players who just beat up, beat up, but they, they struggle with, with what's next, you know, like, like for me, that was my identity. I, that's who I thought I was. I was, I was a football player. And when then, when I ultimately got cut to the, for the last time at the New York jets and they said, you could, you know, doesn't look like you could ever play again. Your legs in such bad shape. I couldn't accept that. It took me a really hard time to accept it because I, I wasn't ready to go yet. Yet my body was done, but, 
inside, like I, 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 I couldn't come to grips with it for a while because yeah. it wasn't the way I, I planned it to go. You know, you've mentioned in the green room that a lot of pro NFL players are under a lot of pressure or feel a lot of pressure to conceal their injuries. And I can certainly see why word gets out that something happened with their knee in practice. And next thing you know, their career's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, that's really common. And, and, and I, I was a place kicker, so I wasn't taking all the, the, the beatings that these other players were doing, but what kickers can suffer from is, is repetitive use over and over again, kicking over and over again. My, my second stint was with the, the Indianapolis Colts. And at this point here, I was, I was taking pain pills, muscle relax, relaxants, and we are a few weeks in a training camp and my, my field goals, which I could, I could normally, I never had a problem, you know, making a 45, 50, 55, you know, 60 in terms of like the distance, but deep into training camp, my legs started to, to get weaker. So I would, I would come up short here and there on from 50 yards, which that's okay. Like maybe in college, but like at the NFL level, like that's it. So after practice, I thought, well, maybe I should go take, tell the my special teams coach, Hey, I, I could use, use some rest, but it took me two weeks to tell him that because I knew if I told him that there, there wouldn't be any sympathy. I mean, he, he was a type of coach who just, he, he was more old school. Like nowadays, you know, the, the, the coaches are evolving and they, 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 there's more coaches out there who see the value for rest. But, you know, when I told him, he just, you know, he, he said exactly what I had feared and expected he would. And that was, he said, get back out there and suck it up. You know, you, you're not on the team yet. You, you know, that you haven't made the, 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 the September roster, the regular season roster, just get out there and suck it up. And, and I tried, but my injury was so bad that no matter how hard I kicked the ball, it, it wouldn't make the difference. But, you know, a lot of players would do that. They would, they, they, they wouldn't go to the training room because if all of a sudden they went to the training room and they, you know, this is training camp and they're not on the team yet, they're immediately going to have like a red flag on them is that this is somebody who's damaged goods. And so that's why so many players will, will keep that on the down low as long as possible. Wow. And this right here is why entrepreneurs who listen to the show need to tune in to what Sean Conley has to say. Think of yourself as a business creator, as an entrepreneur, as a thought leader, goodness gracious forbid that somebody finds out that you're vulnerable about something, that they see some of the footage you leave on the cutting room floor. So it comes down to, well, how can you be a success coach if you failed? Or how can you help people uh, achieve mastery in millions when you yourself are going through a bit of a slump in your own business? Uh, You're telling people that they can do things that you're struggling to do for yourself. What? So it gets to the point where there's a bit of a uh, an imposter syndrome growing on. Uh, now, I think the reason this correlates in a way to what you're saying, Sean, is because in your case, there is, again, that need to conceal, that need to hide, and that need to, in some ways, avoid reaching out for help when reaching out for help could make all the difference in your success. Uh, imagine if the special teams coach had approached that somewhat differently, how things could have gone for you just with just a little bit of a different type of support other than suck it up and go play. You're not on the team yet. Exactly. I, I, I had the complete opposite experience when I was at the university of Pittsburgh, um, my special teams coach there, we were about, I think it was like eight or nine games into the, into the 11 game season. And I was having some issues with, with my back and hip and they started a few weeks earlier, but 
I held off on telling them. And finally, I just, I just had to tell him. And he was just like, why'd you wait so long to tell me? And yeah. I told him, you know, I was worried about losing my job. He said, like, you're, you're my starting kicker. You're not going to lose your, you know, you're not going to lose your job. And he said, you know, take the next week off. You tell me when you're ready to kick again. And, you know, it, it's not a surprise now. Like this is, this is back in 1992. It's now, yeah. you know, we're fast forward all these years. He's actually still coaching. Like 30 he's, years. Yeah. Yeah. He's coaching the NFL now. And, you know, he, he's, you know, he's been with the Steelers and the Giants and, you know, he knows his stuff. And one of the reasons is, is he, has always been like a, like a true player's coach. And he, he, he looked at me. I remember even like, you know, at the university of Pittsburgh, it wasn't just my skills were as a player. He looked at me beyond that, how he could help me, you know, grow as a person, how I could, you know, grow as a man. And so he was somebody who just, you know, you weren't just a number on the team. He looked way beyond that. And for, and back in the day, he was, he was, you could say he was, you know, somewhat like that was, pretty rare so he was he was a pretty special coach he, he coached under uh bear bear bryant yeah at alabama he actually actually played for him too and he he learned a lot of his coaching techniques from bear bryant and actually one of the biggest things that he that he taught me that he learned from coach bear bryant was 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 positive thinking and visualization he he told me one day he caught me and i used to always like to watch video after practice but what i would do i had this bad habit of of watching mistakes that I made, like where I, I put my foot in the wrong spot or where I shanked it because, because my ankle wasn't, you know, a, a certain way or my foot wasn't pointed a certain way. And he would be like, stop what you're doing. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Acknowledge the mistakes you made, but keep focusing on the kicks that you make and what you do, get that into your system. And he told me the reason why, where he got that thinking from was coach bear Bryant after the Alabama football games, the team would come into the video room. He'd show two or three plays where they messed up. But then he said he'd spend the rest of the video room, video session, showing them all their successful plays because Coach Bear Bryant wanted the players to get in their head their successes. So when they, you know, were out there before the game, they could have this visualization of, 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 of them seeing themselves, you know, make positive plays or, or when they would make mistakes. They, they, they've already reinforced the positivity so they could go back into that. And so that actually really helped me because when I, when he told me that I was struggling with my accuracy, but when I started to, to, to focus more on the kicks that I made and what I did, right. It really helped propel and change the trajectory of, of my career at that point. See, that is what is missing so often. I think in coaching, whether it's athletic coaching, business coaching, any type of coaching, there's so much emphasis on let's point out what's, wrong let's point out mm -hmm. the opportunities for improvement and let's put all of our energy there with no reinforcement to show how far they've already come i had a you know, bit of an outlier example of this in a job i had before i became an entrepreneur myself um, i'd recently gotten a promotion and gotten a new supervisor and had a new set of responsibilities where i was responsible for managing a certain process now i kept hearing from my boss's boss of you know for, you know somebody who's completely obtuse and out of touch and i have mentioned her before on this show believe me and she would keep going on about uh all these inconsistent errors my supervisor kept uh telling her that i was supposedly making and when i asked him i asked him for feedback on he said well there were a couple things but i fixed it 
So after about the third time, I heard my boss's boss with her latest droning about inconsistent errors. I said, "Look, I've asked for feedback on this, and uh, my and my boss, you know, your 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 employee, uh, just tells me, oh, there were just a couple little things, but I took care of it. It was no big deal. So as far as I'm concerned, don't mention inconsistent errors to me again until somebody points to something and tells me what I'm doing right and what I need to adjust." I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing a perfect job and I'm fulfilling the job description. Well, mm-hmm. after that, uh, my very, you know, the, the very next round of this process that I managed, I turned it in. Uh, I guess that message got through because then my, my immediate supervisor actually did what we're discussing here is he, uh, there were like nine out of 11 cases and he point and he, he had them in two piles. Nine of them were perfect. And he went through and showed some examples of what made them so great. And then in the other two, he said, these are the corrections I made before I turned it in. So that you're aware of these, try not to do this going forward. See with that, now I knew what to do. And from that point forward, my, my marks were consistently that I got it perfect because I got to see what was right and why it was right. And I also got to see where were the areas where I needed to make adjustments so that I got it right statistically all the time. But just telling somebody, you're making inconsistent errors. Well, if I'm not being given any feedback, how could I even make a consistent error? That doesn't make sense because I'm not being shown anything that's an error that I could be making again and again. For all I know, I'm shooting in the dark. Uh, if you are shooting in the dark blindfolded at a target um, with, a, with a gun that, that is not sighted, with a target that you cannot see, are you going to make the same consistent error hitting the target? Right. Yeah. And exactly. It, and it makes, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So you shared with me something. Uh, I want to get this back to you. Uh, you shared something about how once you went through your experience with the NFL and your injuries, you sort of hit, I mean, in a way, I guess you hit rock bottom because you'd worked so hard for this and you, you know, NFL, you found out stood for not for long in the eyes of some. So you had some a revelation. You gave me a peek at this and I said, hold this for our listeners. So what was the revelation that changed your life? Yeah, I, I it, it was one of those things where, you know, when my career it was clearly over and and as i mentioned before i had a really hard time accepting that and i actually um when the jets released me i i went over to, to scotland and i put in the now defunct world football league i went up for a, an arena football league trial and they offered me a job and that's when i did, i decided like i i just i just can't do this and my, my right. biggest revelation was if i keep going now and and my body just simply can't you know and i you know i'd, I'd still picture my head like being able to kick the ball a certain way and so forth but my body couldn't but my one of my revelations was is just like i it, there comes a certain point where yes i, I i've i've pushed I've, I've 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 worked hard but now i'm actually it, it's not working and now i need to like step away and i think that was one of my first revelations that like there's going to be things that you know, sometimes like they, they just don't, don't work out and it's, it's okay to step away. And, and, you know, it, it, it took me a while to really get to that point because for, for, for months, you know, maybe a year or two, I, I really looked at my career as a, as a failure and I would look back and I'd, you know, I'd, I'd curse myself for, you know, Hey, you trade too hard. Like, why did you do that? Um, you know, why did you 
sign like I had different opportunities to sign with different teams. Why don't you sign with that team instead of that team? And, and so I, I would beat myself up over and over again. And, and then I eventually, I, you know, I started to realize that I just, you know, holding on to the past wasn't going to get me anywhere. And so um, that was, those were probably my two biggest, you know, lessons that I learned once, once my career ended. Um, so, but it, it, for me, I think you know, it, it was hard to, I had a hard time, you know, cause you know, like, am I giving up? You know, that was the whole thing too. You know, like when we, when we work really hard for something, what's the difference between giving up and knowing that it's it, what you're doing isn't healthy anymore. So, but it took me a while to, 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 to sift through all that. You could say. I want to highlight that giving up versus knowing what you're doing isn't healthy anymore because you've heard that whole thing. Don't be a quitter. And then right. you, and then sometimes, sometimes somebody comes along with a contrarian view and says, "Yes, be a quitter." I myself, like I myself, one of my favorite phrases is "say no to success." The more you say no, the more successful you'll be because you're focusing on your yeses. Uh, so that's kind of it's kind of funny. Uh, there may be those who would look at you and say, "Oh, come on, man, put an ice pack on it, be a man." They wouldn't say oh. that to your face, probably, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but there may be somebody out there who actually had that thought of, well, you made it to the NFL and you're going to get sidelined by a little boo-boo because there are people just totally out of the know that would be so out of touch and out of alignment with what's really going on to think that that would actually be an appropriate thing to say. So they might call you a quitter. But on the other hand, you recognize that continuing down that path was going to be the path of diminishing returns. It would probably lead to more hurt. And you discovered that it just wasn't healthy for you anymore. So it wouldn't make you a quitter. It just made you somebody who recognized that it was time for a new path. I wanted to make sure I got that correct and also for our listeners so they understand how that applies when they launch something and it doesn't go quite the way they should or they're in a business that they've lost their brilliance and their passion for and maybe it's just time to try something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that's right on too. I mean, and it, and it wasn't like, a, a, for me, you know, a, a lack of passion. It just, it was just obvious. It just wasn't working out anymore. And, yeah. you know, the, and the more time I spent, you know, you know, going through this whole time of regret, I was, I was actually missing an opportunity that, you know, or a, a new opportunity for something else out there. And so I, I actually, years later, I still, this still creeps up for me, like with my wife and I, and, in, in, in our business, like when, you know, something doesn't go our way, it's, it's very easy to get caught up. Like, Oh, I can't believe, you know, we made this business decision and, you know, we lost this amount of money or, or, uh, you know, working with a supplier or whatever it may be. And the more time we spend on that, we're, we're, we're losing the opportunity to, you know, move our business in this way or, or use this opportunity. And so like, it, it, you know, sometimes we get caught up thinking, Oh, wow, we made this mistake. We, you know, we've made these five mistakes and not, forgetting like, Oh, how about all these other things that are, that are going right with the business. And so that whole like regret of mistakes can, can be, can be paralyzing for, for, for business. And so we're trying to, we're, we, we try to notice it as quickly as possible so we can find the other opportunity that, that helps us, you know, move forward or in a different direction or whatever it may be. Right. So I got to ask, because we're at that point in our conversation anyway, where we transition to this, how does one go from being an NFL player to a yoga and meditation teacher? I get the I get the idea that some people may chuckle over this. I don't because, as I said, I've known 
several people. I have friends of mine who played for the NFL and, uh, you know, one, one of them I would consider a renaissance man and another I would consider a stone hustler. I certainly don't think of either one of them as somebody that's caught up reliving their one immaculate conception touchdown from like 40 years ago. These are, these are very diverse, uh, very creative, uh, very dynamic individuals. So I don't see that there's anything even remotely unlikely about it, but I'm very curious to hear your story about how it happened. Yeah, that's great. And I, I, I really appreciate that you, that you think about it that way. Cause it's, it's, you know what you know and so like it it makes sense but i think from the outside you know a football player to yoga teacher can seem like something that just 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 doesn't seem possible but yeah you're absolutely correct like knowing what professional athletes go through it actually in a lot of ways does does make perfect sense i mean for 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 my journey it was mostly uh, physical that, that got me into yoga because my body just, it it was, it was, it was done when, when I was 25, that's essentially when my career was over, it felt like I was 75 or 85 and all the things that I could do up to that point, physically, uh, strength running, all that was, 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 was diminished. My wife, she was a, uh, my girlfriend at the time when I was in the whole football, pursuit she was a pioneer in the yoga world and she was already into yoga in in the 80s and 90s and so way ahead of her time but she tried to get me into it when I kept having these injuries in college in the NFL but I just said hey no way that's that doesn't make any sense yoga's you know not for football players at the time it certainly wasn't there was nobody nobody doing yoga in in the NFL and so I wanted nothing to do with it I just stuck with conventional therapies uh, like 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 the painkiller, pain painkillers, pain muscle relax relaxants, and so forth. But once my career was over and my body was as bad as it was, and I noticed I couldn't even do basic things. Like if you know we went to a con- an outside concert, um, I, I couldn't stand for more than twenty minutes. The pain was so bad I had to go sit down. I I, I had a hard time you know, even just going for like a walk around the neighborhood, but my back was so bad. So it got to a point where I figured I just had nothing to lose. And my wife being a teacher, I was very conveniently uh, able to just very convenient. I could just take her classes. And after just a few months, my back felt so good that I had this crazy idea um, that I was going to make this NFL comeback, you know, but it was, it was done. I hadn't signed with the team for a couple of years, so that wasn't happening. But the, what happened beyond that was was the the mental benefits that I had that I had no idea because she talked about them. She talked about how oh this will help you uh, be more calm. This will help you be more patient. But I didn't understand why she said that or how, or how that could happen. Let's say, but the more I practiced and the more I uh, committed to you know this the breath work that's in yoga and meditation, I realized wow it, it actually did have all these benefits for me. It, it it took me a while to get there, but then I started to realize wow I'm, I'm I am I'm more calm. Um, I'm making better decisions. I'm not uh, uh, holding on to the past because that was a big thing too. Because not only did I have the physical injuries, but I was still. This was when I was in that world of regret and you know really really upset with myself for making certain decisions with my football career. And I started to get over those much quicker because of all the yoga and meditation I was doing. It was just helping me look at things with a different perspective. I think it's the easiest way to, to, to describe it. And because it did so much for me, for my body, and also for for my mind. 
I just, I, I got, I got hooked and I, I wanted to give, give back. So I, I, I started to teach and that's what I've been doing ever since. And that's, you know, when I do my, when I go to my job, when I teach every night, that's, I, I, I try to bring that in knowing that if I can, um, you know, teach these yoga classes and meditation that, you know, some other people can also have some sort of benefit of, you know, maybe similar to mine where they just, they, they, they get some more headspace. And it's, for me, it's pretty much as simple as that. You know, I just, I, I know that it worked, that it worked for me. And if it worked for me, I know it could work for other people. I'm going to indulge a cliche here that the most powerful computer that's ever been invented and likely ever will be invented is the one that comes uh, between the ears of human beings. The brain, it has so much ability to influence our health and our wellness that generally speaking by many people remains untapped. I discovered the power of meditation about 10 years ago, um, along the same time I've discovered the power of hypnotherapy. And what's interesting is how it creates a gateway for me to, and has done so much to help me identify certain behaviors, certain patterns, certain mindsets that have slowed me down, stopped me or gotten in the way of my success. And through visioning exercises, it takes me to a place where I see what that incident was that happened back there or that thing that that person said to me or that thing that was done to me uh, or that thing where I didn't have my finest hour that's been just exponentially building upon itself and causing roadblocks for me. It's just blows my mind, literally, uh, how working on the mind can get you so much further, so much faster, because it creates a recognition that allows you to take the past uh, that you let go and set it aside, accept its lesson, and be able to move on in a new direction. That to me is the power of meditation. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, that that's jackpot, and that's that that's that for a lot of people, that's that's the whole process. And you know, that was that was my breakthrough when I realized, like, why are you holding on to the past with this whole idea of of, of like your dream of football, like 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 it's over? But it was it was like like as you mentioned, it was like the awareness of that. I realized why I was so miserable, and and I wasn't going to be able to move on. I wasn't going to be able to be happy until I just came to grips with that because it was just like ruminating. I'd be like brushing my teeth and thinking about you know my football career being over. I'd be driving in the car. It was, it, but it wasn't until I started. To to, to do the yoga and then meditate. And I realized like, that's when I'd have these moments, like, okay, it, it, it happened. You know, I, I'd be, I'd have a more clear sense of looking at it. And then I realized like, okay, you, you've got to just, you know, move on from that and, and it's over. And, and then now that, you know, even like today, like, you know, it, it'll happen. Like I'll be, it'll be two o'clock in the afternoon and, you know, something will go wrong. Like a, you know, a phone call from, you know, uh, you know, uh, from, from, my, from like to say my mother and something's going on with her and she's sick and her healthy. And now like I'm, I'm, I'm down, I'm thrown off and you know, everything's going wrong with work. But if I just spend like five minutes meditating, it just helps bring me back to, you know, this place of being all over the place to like, okay, now what's really going on. It's not so bad. And, and, and meditation, you know, can really help me recenter. Yeah, uh, I, you know, not meditation, but I've also heard from somebody who, if they feel, if they feel the need to be miserable about something, they actually set a timer for how long they're allowed to wallow in it. So they'll <laughs> say, all right, 
Um, I'm going to be really down over this thing that happened to me today for exactly seven minutes. Go. With the idea they allow it to process and allow the brain to do what it needs to do with that energy. But at the end of seven minutes, we say, okay, what did we learn here? And what are we taking with us that's going to benefit us going forward? Because we processed it. We honored it. We gave it its due. Now we're going to use its power to make us even more powerful in this new direction. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's fantastic. I think a lot of times we think, oh, we shouldn't be upset. We shouldn't be angry, but that's what, you know, meditation can really help us with that. We're just, you know, we honor, okay. Like I'm angry. It's okay. What am I angry about? And then we work through that process versus just holding it all in, which doesn't, uh-huh. is not very effective. Well, you know, I, I've spoken several times about my use of hypnotherapy and how I love it so much. Uh, there's an episode here on the business careers radio. show. it's one of our fan favorites actually where I interviewed a medium and we had a conversation about my conversations with dead people and so I have a belief in how our world bridges to other worlds and people who we knew who have passed and people who died before we were born can come into our lives and share lessons and how sometimes it takes a while for us to understand those little phrases they're saying until we have a context to put it in so with all that yeah I know I'm Oh, woo woo. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, going back to uh, this whole thing of triggers and understanding things, uh, one of my recent areas of work and the way I approach hypnotherapy is it's like you're peeling back a layer. All right. So uh, I, fi- I have this issue coming up. I'm going to go uh, do, a vision- do a guided meditation or a visioning exercise. We're going to find what happened in that dark corner, find out what the lessons are, and we're going to use them. And then amazingly, the problem disappears. So I'm going to be very candid with you, Sean, if I may. Um, I uh, have met for many years and one of those people who will absolutely flip out if I don't get the customer service that I want. I mean, we're speaking about uh, things flying around the room if I'm on a telephone call, that sort of thing. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 this is way disproportionate because not only is that not fair to the other person, that's not fair to me because that will destroy my spirit, tax my energy, and I will just ruminate on it, if not for the entire day, but for days. So I did some meditations around it on my own, began to get a sense of it. I did a guided vision session about it, and I found out that it had to do, it really, a lot of it sprung from some incident that happened where I was nine years old and a bunch of kids uh, were all doing something, but they decided to single me out, even though I wasn't even the one that did it. So it came from a sense of injustice. So what do we learn from that? We discover that I have the power to use my talents, my brilliance, my passion, and my voice to create a mind frame and a way of communicating that helps more voices be heard so that we can have a greater understanding of what's really going on and create better solutions. Yeah, that yeah, that's fantastic. It, and since, it, it, oh, oh, and yeah. since I and since no, I did yeah. The, yeah, since I did the session, I haven't flipped out on anybody. In fact, I've been in uh, I've been in a couple cases where I've gotten legitimately bad customer service, and I just felt these blue vibes. Like, okay, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's interesting when you surface this stuff, how you can gain so much power from it as you liberate yourself from it. Yeah. And, and yet you made me think of, you know, that, that saying, I forget, forget exactly how it goes, but like when we're, when we're, 
when we won't forgive someone and we're just holding on, holding on, holding on. And, and we have this grudge against them. It's we're, we're not, we're not even hurting them. We're hurting ourselves. And yep. you made me think of that when you said, when, when you're, you, you know, flipping out on, or, or, you know, with everything with the customer service, that it's actually hurting you. Like, you, yeah. like they could care less. They're like, I was some crazy guy on the phone or whatever, exactly. or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the, then they get to get on the phone with the next one. So, but like, it, yeah, it's like, we're, we're only hurting ourselves when we act like, act like that, which we all do. But like, it, but it's going back to what you said earlier. It's like, it's the awareness. Like that's the first step, like being aware of how these behaviors and how they, 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 if they affect our, our well-being. Yeah, um, and part and part of that also that I forgot to mention, um, where um, expectations that were placed on me very early in life, where I was, where people attempted to help hold me responsible for things that I could not have possibly have impacted in any way that had nothing to do with me whatsoever. Um, I mean, and it was some pretty extreme stuff. Like I was, like supposedly. Um, I was to blame if somebody else got in a car accident. That was actually said to me once. Uh, it was mm. just, it was just, you know, unbelievable. So I began to you know, associate the word responsibility with the word blame. So how do you, I mean, so how do you, how do you bear responsibility for something that somebody else does that you had nothing to do with? How, how does that make sense? Now, when I began to deal with that one, Here's another thing about me that folks find interesting and in some cases a little bit frustrating. You know, take your pick of whatever issue. Is it the election? Is it the economy? Is it uh, global warming? Is it the pandemic? Uh, People get so up in arms over things. And I just go through life like, it's not that I'm not concerned about these things. It's not that I don't have opinions over them. It's not that I don't think there's a lot of injustice that needs to be righted, but I also recognize that uh, chaining myself to the news and getting angry over every story is not going to accomplish anything. What will accomplish something is an impartial, dispassionate analysis of the facts and looking for opportunities where my brilliance and my passion can make some sort of positive direction to make the world a better place in whichever one of those areas I choose to work on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, actually, I just had the same conversation, <laughs> similar conversation with with uh, my uh, my teenage daughter uh, the yeah. other day, and she, you know, can get you know really worked up about um, issues, which is which is fantastic. Um, and she's trying to work on taking that anger, and you know, because it's great that she feels that about certain issues, and then moving on. And sometimes it, it can block her, but it's great because it's 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 the first place where she starts, and you know, she she wants to make a difference with that. It's then then now being productive and more calm in in the approach with 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 the solution. So that's that's the hard step, you know, the, to to go go beyond that to, you know, the, you know, it's gonna be really hard to be productive if, if it's all coming from a place of anger, the anger is like the seed, you know, but now it's like, okay, now how can I now channel all this in a way that that way that's productive and, and helpful. All right. So now I want to get a little bit into the book itself here. Uh, I love the title, the point after how one resilient kicker learned there was more to life than the NFL. Now, Candidly, um, I'm not exactly a sports nut. Uh, you might have already guessed that because I was reading off something about you earlier, and I think that uh, there was a typo where they spelled NFL as NLF, and I wondered if that actually referred to something and whether it was a typo. Remember I said, Sean, might correct me. <laughs> yeah. So that gives you an idea 
of how much into sports I really am. It was just never my thing. I was that kid that faked injuries so I could go to the library during recess, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, in school, you and I probably would have been on opposite sides of the spectrum, if you know what I mean, which is okay. Uh, so I have to ask from that place of just not knowing, what is the point after? What does that mean? Yeah. So, so, so the point after we, it was just a play on words. So in my NFL career, I scored one point and it was, it was a, after we scored a touchdown was with the Detroit lions. I went out there and I kicked the extra point was, which is also known as the point after. So we use that as, okay, so this was your, the point after you made and, and the real, uh, uh, the story or the, the lessons that come out of, out of the book, you know, certainly it's a sports book, but it's, it's learning what happened, happened after that. And so for me, like when I was with the Detroit Lions, I thought I had made it, but that one kick, which I thought was just going to be the first of many field goals, extra points in my career, it was my last. And so we use that as, as the title, because I, I, you know, the, the best part about, um, you know, my story, I believe now it, w- it wasn't making the NFL. It was, it was being able to, to move on beyond that, realizing that, yeah, that there is so much more to life than sports. And, and, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier, I, I, I really did just, I thought sports was everything. I, I, I really did. I thought that's what would define my manhood. That's what just, you know, just, you know, you know, that I'd make a lot of money. And so I was like successful and that's what everything was about. And, and luckily, um, over time, I learned that that was, that was not what it was about. Yeah. So aside from all the things we've covered so far, and I've drawn a couple of direct corollaries and parallels for our listeners, why we're speaking about this topic on, on our entrepreneurial podcast and why folks should visit your website and discover more about you. Um, what else uh, makes this book and your message something that goes beyond sports fans? Yeah, I th- I, th- I think there's a, the few. I, th- I think the first is 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 the resiliency. You know, like all my ups and downs, and w- what it actually did for me was. Uh, I, I was able to build almost like resiliency, like, like, well, like was a muscle. So for all the times that, you know, the teams would say, sorry, we're not interested in you or sorry, like you're cut, you're gone at the time. They seemed so, so bad, but the, the, the more I kept going and the more I, you know, so-called, you know, failed it, it actually helped, you know, build up this level of resiliency. So like now, like in my life, it, it, it's, 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 it's there. It's, it's, it's part of who I am. And, and so when there's challenges, you know, knowing that, you know, if, if you just keep going after, after the failure, it's okay, it's going to happen. It's, it's what you do with it. Um, you know, so I, I think, so for a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and it's, it's also knowing that like, we're not who we, you know, who are just our job is. So a lot of times it's, it's so easy to get caught up like in, in our labels. Like, um, like right now I'm a yoga teacher, but that's really not really who I am. I'm, I'm, right. I'm more than that. I I'm a, I'm a father. I can, I can be walking down the street and I can, I can help somebody who, you know, w- with their groceries or whatever. And so we get so caught up in these, these labels, but that's just, that's just, that's just our job occupation. And I, th- I think that's a big part of the book that we're, that we're so, we, we have so much more potential. We have so, so many possibilities beyond what we think, you know, what, what our, what our, what our job is our nine to five or whatever it may be. Isn't that just, in my personal opinion, one of the problems I think we have with communication in our 
society. So you uh, do this for a living. So therefore, you are automatically also A, B, C, D, and E. Mm-hmm. Uh, you voted for this person. So you're either you're either a hero with a conscience or literally a scumbag who's responsible for the deaths of people. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. in between anymore. Um, no. You um, you don't agree with me on this. So uh, you're not worthy of existing. I mean, these are things I actually hear on social yep. media from people who yep. call themselves adults. It's unbelievable. So if we have that going on, um, you can just imagine at the even the more subtle level that people look at you and they say, oh, he's a yoga and meditation teacher. He must be one of those woo-woos. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Absolutely. He, played for, he played for the <laughs> NFL where somebody else might said, oh, well, what's some jock doing teaching yoga? I mean, I bring this all up because this is the stuff that people may be thinking in their minds. And what I, if we can accomplish one great thing here is to help people look past all these labels. And you hear my own passion rising on this because we are being told that if somebody um, has been told, that, that we are being told that if somebody has applied a label to somebody that says A, that they are automatically also B, C, D, E, F, and G without any regards for what their potential individuality could be. And it's not just a matter of they're different. There's a moral issue. Come on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. You know, my father was a security guard. And if you were just to tell somebody on the street, they'd be like, oh, like, like that's, that's all he was. Oh, is that Paul Cop? Right, exactly. And, but he was just someone like what he loved about his job. He he worked in a, a gatehouse and he just talked to people and that's what he like loved about it. He knew everybody that came in and came out. He knew a little something about like each one. And to him, like it maybe wasn't like his passion that he always dreamed to be, but like that just gave him so much satisfaction, just getting to know people and, you know, knowing something about them. And, and, you know, he, he passed away, you know, very young of colon cancer, but like he just had so many friends and, and, you know, his coworkers loved him because that's, 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 he, he just wanted to know people like that was it. And that sounds like, Oh, that's it. But like, that was, that was powerful. That was, you know, that was, you know, I, I admired him so much for that. And, and growing up, I never looked at him like what, what his job was. I just knew he was, he was happy and he wanted to make other people happy. Yeah. He found where his brilliance and passion lie. It was in, mm-hmm. it was in creating and nurturing connections. Uh, the mm-hmm. job was he was a gatekeeper and he was a security guard. So he was, responsible for making sure that the right people were in the community and the people who didn't live there um, only got in with the pass, I guess was probably his job. Right. There was a, and if there was a noise issue, he dealt with it. If there was a parking issue, he dealt with it. If there was a need to involve the police, he was the one to make the call. Uh, That sort of thing. That was his job. That was so we can make assumptions because lots of what a security guard does, but then you find out where the real magic of that was for him and it wasn't being a human connector the job was just what was just was just the container in which he sat but the gifts he gave were in creating human understanding exactly yeah so um and and to me you know i think that in some ways you reflect your father in the sense that with the work that you do at least from what I've read from skimming your book and our conversation is you create new levels of connection and help people see things, different points of view, new points of view that liberate them 
from roadblocks that have held them back up until now and achieve things that they may have never in their daydreams imagined would even be within their realm of possibility. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean that that that's that's my hope. We, you know, when 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 we, when we teach, we look at it as like like this is a container, and so you know we'll make suggestions. You know, if you're in this pose, try this, try this. But we keep reminding people that the biggest thing is like you know make this your own because what happens to a lot of people in yoga. I know this first happened for me is. I started to turn it into like another competition. So like I, I pushed and fought in football. So when I first started doing yoga, I, I did the same thing. I'd look around the room at the first yoga class I took, I was one of 20 people. There was 19 women and me and I'm looking around and they're moving in and out of the poses, no problem. And here's me. I couldn't. And that I, I turned it into like a, like a competition. So, uh, you know, when, when we teach, we just try to remind people like, you know, this is like, make this practice like your own. Otherwise, like a lot of people, like they won't get too far in yoga or meditation, so to speak, because they, 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 they look at it like something else, like a golf game or, or something like where I, I'm going to try to get really good at it, but there's really like no getting good at yoga or meditation. It's something that you just, you just do. And, you can try to sit quietly for five minutes and the whole time your mind's racing and, and you can get upset about it. Or you can be like, Hey, when I sit for five minutes, my mind races, you know, maybe this is something I should keep working at. And so that's where yoga and, and meditation I find so fascinating. It's completely different in, in the, you know, here in the West of, 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 of what we normally do. And, 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 you know, where, where the focus is, this is something that you're just trying to, be with yourself. You know, we don't spend much time doing that. We're always like, you know, trying this, trying this and, and it's so busy, but like just taking out this time, whatever it is, I even tell people like, even if, you know, you just spend three minutes a day and you set your phone, you know, for those three minutes, if you do that, you know, four or five times a week and you don't even have to set a number on it. Cause that's, you know, we, we don't want, we don't want sometimes that doesn't work for people, but just having any sort of commitment to, uh, you know, focusing on, on yourself and your mind, it, it can make a, such a huge, huge difference. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, you know, you're trying to meditate and you find yourself just boiling. Well, I've had that happen too. I mean, I make a practice of doing a, a three, three, three meditation every morning. And I frequently meditate whenever I need to gain some clarity or reset or something like that. And there have been times where not only could I not get into calm, but I couldn't avoid standing up and pacing and stomping around. And I asked people about that. And I was told that sometimes that's just part of the process of meditation, getting things and allowing them to course through and burn out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, am I right about that? Are the people telling oh. me the right information when it comes uh. to that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For, for, for sure. And, and, and that's just all, all part of it. I, I think a lot of times when we think, oh, meditation is something where you just sit really still, you don't move a muscle and your mind is completely quiet. And that's just, I, I think that couldn't be any further from, from, from reality. And, and, you know, usually you know, how it'll be for most people is like, there's like this, like this battle, you know, of, of, uh, um, you know, the, like, like two different voices, you know, one is, is, you know, negative, one is positive. And it's just, it's noticing, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, these, these habitual patterns. And so if I sit there for five minutes and the whole time I'm saying these, the, the, these certain negative words about, you know, whatever it is, that's okay. I'm, I'm noticing the pattern. So now that's the first step. So I have this pattern where I say like, for me, like, 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 
when my career ended, I had these, I would always talk down about my body. Like, you know, your body is, is beaten up. It's no good. And so, but that's what I, that, that was helpful for me when I was doing my yoga med- meditation. I realized, you know, after a while, like, why am I talking about my body? Yes, I can't play football anymore. I can't play professional football, but I can still, you know, I can still walk. I can still do basic movements, which are, are, that's all I need, you know, you know, to, you know, to, to, to go to the grocery store and go to the hardware store, like how much do I really need? And so, but it, it, but it was yoga and meditation that really helped me start to relook at my body in a way that it wasn't like this, this, this horrible thing now that it couldn't do what I wanted to do. It was something that still allowed me to do a lot of great things in life. Wow. See, and I think that right there is a, an awesome place to wrap up since unfortunately we kind of have to anyways, we're near the top of the hour. So I just want to give you an opportunity, Sean, uh, to share with our listeners uh, you know, how they can reach out to you and what they have to look forward to when they do. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. That So, so my website is seanconley.net, S-C-A-N-C-O-N-L-E-Y.net. And yep. on there is information on the book if they're interested, as well as if they want to get into yoga or meditation. There's a lot of links for videos. There's some blogs about just how to get into it. So they can, they can do all sorts of exploring from the book to, to yoga to meditation on my, uh, on my website there. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. And I will say that again, seanconley.net, S-E-A-N-C-O-N-L-E-Y.net. So Sean Conley, uh, thank you so much for being with us here today. It has been an honor and believe me in education. Thank, thank you, Adam. I had, I had a great time to speak with you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And we trust for our listeners, you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.